Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. It was several years ago, but I still love the interview that the Los Angeles Times newspaper did on a retiring planning commissioner there in L.A. County. His name was George Lefko. And they were talking to him about the deception of public office. And, and here's, here's the story he told. He said, my first Christmas as commissioner, I received a honey-baked ham from Forest Lawn Cemetery, even though the cemetery was never an applicant before the commission while I was there. When I realized the ham, when I received the ham my first year, I tried to return it at once. Though for the record, I didn't because nobody at Forest Lawn seemed authorized to accept hams in return, apparently not even for burial. When I received another ham the next Christmas, I gave it to a worthy charity. The next year, some worthy friends were having a party, and so I gave it to them. The next year, I had a party, and we enjoyed the ham. In the fifth year, about the 10th of December, I began wondering, where's my ham? <laughs> well, it's not just in politics. The Christmas season often creates conflict between the spiritual and the material. We know, right, that we should be thinking about Jesus, his giving nature, about uh, our desire to be like him and, and doing unselfish good deeds. And yet slowly and insidiously, our focus gets diverted back to, well, personal gain, material things, ham, turkeys, Black Fridays, Super Saturdays, Cyber Mondays, which really don't focus us on God and Jesus very much, but, but more on things. And Christmas can create a lot of financial stress where we compete and compare maybe and end up overspending and, and having heavy uh, credit card bills. In Luke chapter 2 is the story of the shepherds in a field, and they contain a conflict between spiritual and material. And I hope this morning, by considering their experience, we can refocus on what really matters uh, during this time of year. In verse 8, it begins, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. I want you to, first of all, think about how privileged these shepherds were. Shepherding was a very simple occupation. It was not a high-level thing. Anybody could do it. Even a, even a little boy could, uh, could be a shepherd, it seems. And, and there were a lot of them. It's estimated there were a quarter of a million sheep sacrificed in the temple every Passover season alone. Every family was commanded to bring an offering an animal to be offered on the altar at the temple. To facilitate that, as the population grew and people came, the priest provided lambs for purchase at the entrance of the temple so that the worshipers um, wouldn't have to transport one all the way from home. I don't know, I guess my first thought about this, it's kind of like buying a hot dog at Jerry's World, which I've never done, but I understand is quite exorbitant. Well... So there are these hundreds of thousands of sheep being raised on the hillsides of Jerusalem. 
the temple flock, it was called. And there were thousands of shepherds looking out for those sheep. Being a shepherd was pretty common. It was also a very lowly, smelly, unglamorous job. But God chose to make this first birth announcement of the Messiah, the first Noel, to, well, not to impressive kings and not to to impressive uh, generals or priests, but rather to these night watchmen guarding the sheep on the third watch of the night. In a way, it's logical if you stop and think about it, as even as Steve and, and Gary mentioned, that uh, the arrival of this humble Lamb of God was first be announced to simple shepherds who often cared for newborn sheep who in a year's time would soon be sacrificed on the altar. Well, he picks up in verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now, now you may remember the story about Moses going up on Mount Sinai when he came down. The, the, his face was aglow from the glory of God, right? These simple shepherds had a similar privilege, as did the lawgiver, Moses. Think about how, how privileged they were. Now, they were terrified, it goes on to say, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I'll admit this. I grew up all my life singing away in a manger. No clue. I mean, I saw things, but no clue. Manger. Manger was a, was a feeding trough. And in fact, most studies now say it wasn't one of those wooden ones you see we built, but rather it was a stone, just a stone, kind of hollowed out stone, which was where they fed cows and, and, and sheep and, and animals. So it wasn't just finding a baby, it was finding a baby in a feeding trough. Imagine how privileged and honored these shepherds must have felt. Out of all the people of Judea, out of all the shepherds, they were selected to receive the first birth announcement of the Messiah. You ever think about how privileged we are? Spiritually privileged, I mean. We live in, a, we live in the era of the New Testament or the New Covenant with God. We know that when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood to pay for our sins. We understand that. We, it's not something we had to, to have prophecy to, to think about. We know that, that he came back from the grave, as, as, as Steve mentioned, uh, alive again, and, and with the promise that we, will, we can do that too. We also can have this kind of life, resurrection life. We know that he empowers us by his Holy Spirit. We know that we're not saved by our good works, but rather by his grace through faith. But people who lived prior to the cross had no idea of these things. They, they didn't understand this. And in those days, the scripture says, angels longed to look into these mysteries. Angels longed to look into them, which we now understand and quite often take for granted. We live in a nation where no matter what you think about our laws of freedom, we have unprecedented freedom to worship and share our faith. There are many, many... Uh, Countries dominated by different religions where you'll be arrested for teaching about Jesus or teaching the Bible. 
So we're privileged to live in a nation where we, we have this freedom, not only to gather and worship, but, but to tell the story of Jesus, to evangelize. Maybe, maybe no people outside the, the disciples uh, have been consistently blessed that way as, as we have. And then again with the shepherds, though, though privileged, realize that these shepherds faced a material challenge in the story. Look at verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. Now, if you, if you think about the story a little bit and exactly how this set up and how it happened, I don't imagine they immediately got up and, and, and ran out. I imagine they rehashed this uh, event some between them. Wow, that was incredible. I mean, that's the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. Angels, I cannot even imagine, right? Well, I thought it was lightning. It scared me to death. And Well, I was asleep. It kind of woke me up. I thought it was a dream. Then finally somebody said, well, well, let's go see this baby, which presented somewhat of a problem. Have you ever stopped to think about this? In spite of all the excitement, they still had a job. They still had a job. And part of the job description was, Never to leave the sheep unattended. That's your job. Because if you did, some wild animal might come in and devour some of them. Some rustlers may come along and, and steal some of them. You, some of them might wander away on their own. There might be a stampede and some be injured. So if one of the owners dropped by, well, you might lose your job and your family depended on what you made. Maybe they should just wait until tomorrow afternoon and, and go. I mean, the baby would still be there, right? I don't know. Really, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I don't think they struggled that much with the decision. I mean, they had just seen angels. The conflict between spiritual and material may be more pronounced for you and me than it is for them because we haven't seen an angel, because we trust in the unseen. And from the time we were born, we've been immersed in the materialistic philosophy of this world all of our lives, we've been bombarded by advertising that creates an insatiable desire in us for more. We do it at school. Educators encourage us to make good grades. Why? So you can get a good job, so you can make good money, <laughs> and you can be successful. People all around us flaunt their possessions, stimulating us to envy and competition. And this great season of the year, can create some crazy impulses in people to acquire more things, to buy love or to, to, to try to buy something to show love or to show superiority to some other family members, perhaps. The average two-parent family charges $2,800 on credit cards every Christmas. One guy said his greatest difficulty at Christmas was convincing his kids he was not sent well. He said, actually, that was not the greatest difficulty, trying to create his kids, convince his kids that he was not Santa. He said the greatest difficulty was trying to convince his wife he was not Santa. That's right. his, he wanted his kids to think he was Santa. He wanted his wife to realize he was not Santa. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Got it. Good. Well, there's this, constant, there's this constant battle for control of the mind Deep in our heart, we know, right? We know. You and I, we're here. One of the reasons we're here is because we know things don't buy happiness. Salary doesn't measure success. 
Relationships are more important than any things. But while we know that's true, we get sucked into the current of our world, and we, if we're not careful, we get carried along, and it squeezes us into its way of thinking. And the Lord keeps reminding us the things of this world won't amount to a hill of beans compared to the unsearchable riches of knowing Jesus Christ. So don't crave riches. Don't lay up treasures on earth. Don't be envious of the rich. Watch out, he says. Be on guard against all kinds of greed because life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Isn't, it, isn't that what we have realized during this pandemic? Isn't it? We've, we've lost some precious people. What really matters when you realize that life is so precious, things somehow don't matter near as much. It's relationships. What, what is the profit if you gain the whole world? But lose yourself, your very soul. The shepherds sensed that there was something more than these sheep. And so they made a very wise decision. Verse 16, they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger in that feed trough. I think we could learn a few things from these shepherds' actions. Let me suggest to you that one is that they made a definite choice to pursue the spiritual above everything else. They didn't deliberate for hours and miss the opportunity. They just took action that night. I think, I think many times people sit in church and we never really make a decision as to what we want. People tend to dabble in both worlds, and they're happy in neither one. So make a choice. Who is Jesus to you? Who is he? You know, one counsel, a counselor asked his, his, uh, his uh, patient, would you rather be poor and happy or rich and miserable? And the counselor answered, I think I'd rather be semi-rich and slightly moody. We all struggle with that, don't we? Decide, decide, but deciding is the first step to overcoming materialism. Joshua told the Israelites, choose this day whom you will serve. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. So what do you really want in life? If you want to know Christ, if you want to know the freedom from sin, if you want to know that your life will count for him, then go after that with all of your heart. Well, the second thing I would note is they got out of their comfort zone and they searched for the Messiah. The angel gave them a clue where they would find him. They didn't give him a detailed map. They didn't say, well, look, let me just share with you the point here on Google, and they didn't do that. So they had to go out of their routine, out of their way of taking care of sheep. They probably had to wake up some people who probably weren't too happy to ask questions about where this baby might be. Maybe this season, you and I need to do something different. Maybe something outside of our comfort zone. Change our family's focus. Which may, maybe, maybe we read scripture and spend time in prayer more than we watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas and read The Night Before Christmas. The text says there was a baby lying in the manger and after seeing it. Now, by the way, there was no star. There was no star. They didn't follow a star. That's a different story. That's later on. That's not their story. They found, how did they know it was him? They, they, because he was lying in a feeding trough, just an ordinary 
animal feeding trough. And there was no, I know all the pictures, I've seen them all, but there was no halo over his head. Oh, it must be Jesus, there's a halo. That's, it, there is no halo. He was an ordinary looking baby. To Mary, he was beautiful, but to everybody else, he was an ordinary looking baby. Yep, that's a baby. But they believed the angels, what the angels had told them. And they worshipped him. Worship, folks, isn't always spectacular. What we're looking for is genuineness. And genuine worship of Jesus is when you begin to realize priorities and begin to see things in different perspectives. So we need to worship. We need to worship together. We need to worship individually. We need to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, Paul wrote. Because genuine genuine worship reminds us that we brought nothing into this world. And we'll take nothing out of this world. Are our affections on things above? We can get so preoccupied with things of this world that even when we gather, we don't focus on Jesus. We're still thinking about worldly things. But I, but I guarantee you, those shepherds didn't notice a sheep there in the stable and say, you know, that, that looks like about a 140-pound sheep at 50 cents a pound. That's about 70 bucks. I don't think so. Or, or look at the sundial and think, well, we've been here half an hour. We probably ought to get back to those sheep. Or look at Mary's garments and say, you know, that's navy. That doesn't match the black cloak she has on. No, they worshiped. They worshiped the Lord. They focused on him. And here's the thing. Their lives were transformed by it. How do you know? Well, the third thing I'd point out to you is that the topic of their conversation suddenly deepened. It says in verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. On the way home, they didn't see some friends and say, huh, what, not this weather's kind of unusual. It's warmer than it usually is, isn't it? I don't know if it's going to snow or not. They didn't talk about the price of wool going up or down or taxes. Can you believe these taxes? No. They said, we saw an angel. We, we saw the Messiah. Life is never going to be the same. They had to talk about what they had seen and heard. If you want to get your mind off of things of this world, then occasionally you need to have some conversations about things of the Spirit. It doesn't mean you never talk about sport events or child-rearing or current events. Those things are important, but they're trivial when you compare them to the eternal things of God. Somewhere along the way, we need to be talking about our redemption in Jesus Christ, about the hope of eternal life that we have through the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that he's coming back. He didn't just come as a baby. He's coming back. And that's one of the things our communion proclaims, that he's coming back. And we want to be ready to enjoy him forever. Jesus said, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be filled when you turn the discussion to things that feed your soul, you discover there's a spiritual hunger that is satisfied. And relationships go deeper than before. And maybe prayers are uttered and God is praised and perspective is changed. Well, one more. They, they return to their jobs. Yeah. They had a different attitude. Verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen 
It was just as the angel had told them. They went back to their work. They went back to their work as shepherds. For the rest of their lives, apparently, we have no reason to think they didn't, but, but they weren't just going through the motions of some old boring job, checking the sheep, keeping an eye on them. They had been visited by an angel. They had witnessed the Messiah. They were ambassadors of hope now. Because once you come to know Jesus, you go back to your daily routine. People who, who come and declare their faith in Jesus and repent of their sin, and, and you see them immersed in these waters and they come up, and we celebrate that on Monday, go back to their job. Same job. Different person. It may happen instantly or it may happen over a period of time, but the goal in life no longer is a bigger house, a more impressive car, a vacation spot, but what really matters is knowing Jesus and honoring him with our lives. So here's how the Apostle Paul put it. I'm going to read it from the message, paraphrase, Philippians 3, beginning of verse 8. All the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally and experience his resurrection power. There's Ru Rudyard Kipling who said, someday you're going to meet somebody who doesn't care much for wealth. And then you're going to realize how poor you really are. Jesus said it this way, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man found in a field, and when he found it, for joy, out of joy, he went and sold everything he had to buy that field. Maybe like those shepherds, today the light has gone on for you, and you understand the treasure in that manger was worth so much more than the sheep in the fields. And like the next songs we're going to sing will remind us, Lord Jesus, you're more precious to me than anything else. You gave your life for me. I now give my life for you. I repent of my sins. I confess my faith in you. Let me be baptized in you, be born again, and claim your promise of resurrection life eternal. So during these final two songs and afterwards, I'll be up front. Two of the elders, Bob Bailey, Randy Wiseman, will be up here. Joel Willman will be up in the balcony. And uh, you'll find Michael and Tammy Albright back in the prayer room out here off the south foyer. This is a time we offer for decision. And if you come and say, I, I, I choose to give my life to Jesus Christ, we'll rejoice with you and we'll guide you through that. If you come saying, I'm struggling with something, we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you through that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're without a church family, well, we'll invite you to be a part of us and come help us pave the way for somebody else as we stand together. Thanks for listening. Again. 
I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.